You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. Jim Glaub is a recognized leader in marketing, social media, web design, video production, and more for live entertainment, and he has worked on over 50 Broadway shows. He's an international speaker on technology and theater, and he's founded Super Awesome Friends, an agency dedicated to connecting brands with live entertainment. In London, he was the deputy head of content and digital media for the Society of London Theater, where he helped raise the profile of the West End theater scene. In New York, he was the VP of Content and Community at Sereno Coin, the nation's longest-running live entertainment ad agency. I've had the privilege to work with Jim on many Tony Award shows, and I'm so happy to welcome him here today to talk about an incredible holiday project called Miracle on 22nd Street. Jim, welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Jan, first of all, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for shedding light on so many of these great organizations and people that give back. It's uh, it's just so wonderful that you you provide this for so many people to understand that um, our industry is very generous and very giving. And so thank you for that. Well, I wanted you as a guest on the Broadway Gives Back podcast today because you really do give back and you're a very important behind the scenes member of this community. So it felt only fitting to have you here today especially as the holidays are approaching. Before we get into the Miracle on 22nd Street discussion, which is so awesome, like the name of your company, um, I want to start by talking about brooches and unicorns. (laughs) So you love brooches. Let's start with that. You own hundreds of brooches. In fact, I have seen you hundreds of times, whether at meetings or out for coffee or drink or lunch, And I have never seen you without a brooch on your lapel. So I don't think I've ever asked you in all this time, like, where did this love for this piece of jewelry as a defining statement come from? Tell us the history here. Well, that is amazing that you brought up (laughs) brooches. I always, I love them so much. I'm currently, for for those who are, are, are listening and would like to know, I'm currently wearing a little martini glass brooch. Because tonight, uh, when we when we film this pod, uh, when we recorded this podcast, is the opening of 
company on Broadway. So, of <laughs> course, I'll drink to that. <laughs> so, I'll drink to that. It's just been an amazing... Love, I love my brooch collection because it's an uh, amazing con- conversation starter at parties. Um, I also am in branding, so it's always nice to like have something that people can remember you by. It's like, at least at the very end, it's like, oh, that guy, you know, he Jim Glove, he wears brooches. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, when did you get your first brooch? Like, how did that even come about? Like any um, any of us who have the, our grandmother's collectible brooches, right? I, I remember getting um, that my mom had the ones that, that my grandmother had. And they were very strange. Like, one was like a frog, a glitter frog. And one was like a glittered spider. And like, she had all these weird animal brooches. And I just loved them. And so I think from very young, I was just like, let's go. Let's. I'm going to wear brooches. I know it's like for, for, for women of a certain age, but actually it's become very trendy now. There's like even a New York Times article about how celebrities are wearing brooches to opening nights and different uh, events. So I've been doing it. I think you made it trendy. I think you were a trendsetter. Um, And then there's unicorns. I mean, who doesn't love a unicorn, but you really love unicorns and you've kind of incorporated unicorns into your gestalt. Now I'm not a therapist, but I would love to analyze this unicorn thing with you. Well, I love, you know, in the tech world, uh, the unicorn, it means, uh, you know, a company or um, uh, a business that essentially breaks all the rules and breaks all the norms, whether financially or, or benchmarks. And um, also the the fact that it's a mysterious, you know, magical animal. Um, I just think it's so I definitely feel deeply that I, uh, I I see unicorns in my dreams. I love love that they're now every time i see one in real life i because they've gotten really popular and now now when i see one i feel like i'm on the right track like i'm i and i've talked to a lot of people who feel like they have animals in their life that that sort of they check in with you know like that or they see and that's for me a unicorn it's just a way to say like hey you're going on the right track unicorn don't worry (laughs) i love it i love it um and Let's moving on a different track, which is the miracle on 22nd Street. Um, so it really is a miracle. Um, I want you to tell the whole story of how this came to be. But initially, you received these mysterious letters to your apartment and um, you acted upon it. Um, and so just tell the whole story. I mean, it's so amazing. And it's so amazing what you've done. Oh, thank you, Jan. Well, oh boy. Like any good, like any good story it begins with a mystery (laughs) (laughs) um oh about about 11 years ago I was living in an apartment in Chelsea with my then partner and we were told by our previous um uh roommate the the people that lived there before us Mm -hmm. they're like oh just so you know like you're gonna get these uh letters to Santa delivered to the apartment it's only a few but we're not really sure what to do with them and I just we just wanted to let you know and uh, <laughs> we didn't realize uh, a couple of years had gone by of living in the apartment and a couple of the letters came through, but it's just a couple very random letters to Santa um, uh, with, you know, Santa Claus with the address of this apartment in Chelsea. And, uh, you know, and it was a Santa letter with uh, uh, some requests for basic stuff that kids would need for the holidays. Right. Didn't think anything of it. Thru- not even, I don't even, I think we threw them away because it was just like, whatever. But one, but one year, two, I think it was like two, after, two years after we had lived there, um, 
not just one came in or two, but 10, 30, 50, 100, and then it ended up with 400 letters to Santa. This was 11 years ago now. And we were beside ourselves with this problem because, again, if it's one or two of something, you don't think about it. It's not that big of a deal, right? You're like, oh, that's just a strange occurrence. This is a real something. Something happened that all of these letters to Santa came to our apartment. We It was stacking up um, towards the middle of December. And we were like, we have to do something. It, simultaneously, we were throwing a... Do you remember it was like the height of Mad Men and 60s, like Promises, Promises was on Broadway. Mm. Like it, 60s were real. <laughs> I remember. You remember yeah. that time, yes. right? Yes, yes. Everyone had the pencil dresses. And so we threw a 1960s holiday party uh, that year. Uh, and it was it, it was fantastic. And it was such a really fun um, fun party. But a couple of friends saw the um, stack of letters. <laughs> it was a, they saw the stack of letters in the corner of the apartment and were like, Jim, what is this stack of letters? I was like, well, let me tell you, we're getting all these letters to Santa. So uh, what ended up happening is that a couple of friends were like, oh, well, they're just, we'll take, a, you know, they started to read them at the party and uh, people started to say, you know, I'll just take a letter. I'll just fulfill this. I'll take this one. I'll take this one. And everyone at the, parties sort of organically started to take a letter to Santa. And it really opened up my eyes. I was like, oh, snap, this is what we can do. We can, we can, we can get the community around this to take these letters so that these kids' wishes of uh, uh, whatever, whatever they needed on the, on the letters would be fulfilled. So then it's funny because Jan, I think my next, I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get, um, I gotta get rid of these letters. And I remember, I think my next um, my next call was to the Broadway League, and mm -hmm. I think it was you. And I was like, "I got these letters. <laughs> I come by your office, and if you guys can take them." And I was like, "Yeah, come on by." And I remember, <laughs> I remember it was um, Rachel at the Broadway League as well who helped uh, who helped take some of the letters, and 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 I remember you and Charlotte. Everybody was like, "Let's do this!" and and it really, I, I went to the Broadway.com offices, obviously uh, all of our friends at Spaco and Sereno and AKA and everybody that was there, like, we're like, let's take a letter. Let's do this. It sort of became truly the Broadway community was the first to jump on, mm -hmm. on this um, because that was my people. Those are my, right. obviously all of my friends and then my Broadway family. And I, I mean, I, Jan, it was such a, a, a hard time because each, each one we had to read the letter, you know pass it off to the individual to fulfill it. And uh, it was hard because these letters were not, they were very sad. <laughs> yeah. Can you like describe some of them that are most memorable? I mean, don't give it too much detail. I don't want to, you know, embarrass anybody, but like what, what were these kids asking for and where do these kids come from? Well, the, the thing about the letters that are so strange is that the, that, um, that year, they were all throughout the the boroughs of New York. So every there was from Staten Island, from the Bronx, uh, a lot of families from Harlem and Brooklyn, um, as well as a few right in Manhattan. So it really was a representation of New York City and a lot. And that's another thing that was strange about this. I was like, why are these coming from all over different parts of New York City? It wasn't like one area, right? The addresses were all scattered over, even some in, um, I remember, even up really far north. Um, and... In it, some of the letters uh, that I remember 
range from um, something very simple as, you know, I'd like some, you know, a 16 year old girl who wanted some makeup for school, you know, or um, coats or shoes or socks. Um, but one story that really stuck with me was actually a letter that I gave to Danielle Boyle, who works at Serena Coin. We were, um, she wanted a letter and uh, I, I gave it to her um, and we read it together. And in the letter, there was a, a boy who said he was complaining about um, some back issues. He was having trouble sleeping at night. And that's because he was sleeping on his family's couch because he didn't have a bed to sleep in and had asked for some sort of um, air mattress or single bed or something that, you know, would be his Christmas present. And that, I mean, honestly, we were reading the letter, Danielle, uh, and like it had, we had caused a group of people coming around us to read the letter and we were all just like crying mm. hysterically. And um, the good news is that the kid got the bed um, <laughs> and really opened up. I think that was a moment for us and for me that opened up um you know, it 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 was it it's it goes so much deeper than just toys or 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 basic um you know just like a basic video game or something like that. A lot of these people are going without the basic needs, and I'm not even <laughs> sure everyone wants a, a Christmas toy, but like socks and coats and things that are just sort of the things that we weren't always really excited about as a kid, but need mm -hmm. <laughs> and look forward to. Um, is is really was really a magical part of this so you get these letters and you start to you know create find friends of yours that are going to fulfill the letters but then it goes to the next level because now you turn it into a 501c3 right right so well what's really interesting about the evolution of this story was that our friend sarah klein was at that party um, she is a documentarian and was like, this is so fascinating. I'm really interested in this story. Can we follow you around? And Jan, as you know, I don't love the attention, but <laughs> I agree. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I agreed to be on camera to do this. <laughs> and they... Wait, I just have and, to explain um... to all of our listeners Jim is a great interviewer and he's usually the one doing the interviews, but he also does love the limelight. <laughs> Go on. I love a little attention. Come on. <laughs> just want, just want to be loved. <laughs> you are loved. Um, so, um, so she followed us around uh, this journey and honestly it was, as, it was as much as me going from offices to offices, passing out letters I, I, there was a time where I was on the street asking people to take a letter. It was so many. There were so many letters. And um, so she followed us around and then published. She didn't, I didn't know, but she had actually arranged for um, a deal with the New York Times to post the video of this story uh, on the New York Times. Jan, it made it on the home page of the New York Times that year on Christmas Eve. I remember I was, Dylan and I were flying back to my ho my home in Kansas City, and I, we got off the plane and we were instant celebrities. Like people in the in the airport were recognizing us, and they're like, "Oh my God, you're the, you're this, you're Santa, you're Santa, <laughs> you're Santa." Yeah. I was like, "Oh no, what happened?" <laughs> and what what happened was is that this story caused, um 
a real outpour of people that wanted to help. They wanted to take a letter. They wanted to fill a, fulfill a letter, which is the through line to this whole thing, Jan, that's been so fantastic is that people really want to connect. They wanted to connect with these families that didn't, uh, that they, that, that, that through the magic of Christmas and the magic of sort of the simplicity of a Santa letter were able to feel like they could help. We had so many people, but Jan, we had given away the letters. Uh, we went back to the post office. There was like a, I couldn't get to all of them cause it was like so late, but there was a, that day there was only, or that, I'm sorry, that year there was only, um, about five, uh, maybe about 50 letters that we had to go back to the post office, which was devastating to me because I, I usually <laughs> do things full out and all the way to completion, but it was just so many. And because, and we weren't organized. What it started was the New York Times posted hundreds of thousands, gen genuinely thousands of people reached out and were like, we can help, we can help. So that's what birthed uh, the nonprofit organization Miracle on 22nd Street. And what we do to this day, 11 years later, is that we connect families in need with real life elves. So it is. And Jan, I have to tell you, the letters are still coming into the apartment in Chelsea. We don't know still to this day where they're coming from. It's unbelievable. It's a it really is. Um, well, first of all, I want to be an elf. Um, and I'm going to, in the episode page for this podcast, we're going to put in the link. So if anybody wants to be an elf, they can join. Um, but it, it really is an amazing project. The most important question, where do the letters come from? Where do the letters come from? Do you want the magical answer or the practical answer? I answer? want both. <laughs> She want, I want it all. <laughs> I do. I want it all. Okay. So first give me the, the magical practical, answer. No, first give me the magical answer. The, the magical answer is that actually um, the, the people that lived there before us said that the letters were coming. And then they said that the people before them said that the letters were coming. Uh -huh. So we know that for a fact, it's been going on in this apartment for at least 30 years. Right. Which is crazy to me that these letters have been sort of to Santa have been coming into this Num apartment number seven random like, apartment on 22nd street yeah yeah exactly and the weird thing is that um we found out through some people who had done research on this story like there's a lot of people lo like love this the mystery of this and there's some people who did some research to find out that the street actually on 22nd street was the original estate of clement clark moore in fact there's a a park named after him right on 22nd street why is Clement Clark more important? Because he's the writer of Twas the Night Before Christmas and All Through the House. Oh. You know, it's so funny because you always said it was so mysterious. I never thought there was actually a reason behind it. So well, there is kind I, of. It's weird. Like what? So it turns out that after doing some, some, some people had done some like serious research on this. And by the way, we still don't know the answer. Like we still don't know where it's going to be from, but some people have done the research on this is that had that when he published that very famous poem in the newspaper, essentially it was like before the New York times, there was like a major newspaper that, that published this poem. And he basically created um, what we know of as sort of the modern day, like the, the reindeers hadn't really existed before then The like, there's a lot of like elements of like what we know as a modern day Santa in some ways because of Clement Clark Moore in this poem. Now, what we found out, this is amazing, is that he actually had to go anonymous because so many people thought that he was Santa Claus and that they were sending him letters 
to his estate on 22nd Street, where this, where, um, where there was a smaller apartment that is where he used to live. Um, but he had a bigger estate at the time. So it's amazing. Like, had these letters been coming around since the 1800s, like, that would be crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. I did not know any of this. I just thought, because you always talk about it as a mystery. I didn't know there really was, like, some legitimacy that behind this mystery. I yes. mean, that's the only thing we can think of. The other is that, was it a part of like some sort of PTA mailing list? Was there someone who lived there like 50 years ago that had like been a part of some sort of program? But uh, to be honest, I think it's been, I think this has been going on down the street for hundreds <laughs> of years. <laughs> wow. Okay. Now I have goosebumps. That's incredible. Yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And also, I heard a rumor, don't know if it's true, that this is being turned into a film. True? It's truth? Yes? Oh my God, Jan. Yes, it <laughs> is. It has been. So when it was, when the little mini documentary was uh, featured on the New York Times, I got uh, a voicemail message and it was uh, amazing. It was a voice saying, hey, Jim, this is Tina Fey. How are you? I love your story and I want to turn it into a movie. Can we do this? And I called her back and was like, yes, absolutely. Let's do this. But you call her back first and go, is this really Tina Fey? Yeah. Yes. It was like, not every day you get a call from Tina Fey wanting to make a movie about your life. So that's amazing. So that's it's happening. Been, yeah, yeah. So it's been, you know, it's been, this is, uh, this would be Tina's, I think, first, this is her first movie since Mean Girls. And they were about to, right now, it's still, the script is done. It's being, um, it's Universal is the the producers of this, which is amazing. And um, she, it's, it's a beautiful movie. It's basically the exact same story that I just told you, but mm. um, with a, with a lot of classic elements of new york there's going to be some musical numbers the, the the characters work on broadway it's going to be uh it'll be a love letter to new york i think which is um i'm so excited about and what a fantastic opportunity can you imagine people seeing the movie or streaming the movie nowadays <laughs> and then feeling inspired to connect with a family in need even if they don't do it through Miracle on 22nd Street, what if this is something that became something you did? You went, you shopped for your family, and then you also helped another family in need. Like, what a difference that could make. 
Um, this is so perfect. I'm so happy you're on this podcast. Um, I have one question that's just burning right now. Who is going to play you? Um, and if it's not cast yet, who would you like to play you in the film? Oh my God. I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, I think it's gotta be Ryan Reynolds, right? I mean, come on, look at, <laughs> look at this for the readers, for your listeners. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I genuinely really want Titus to do it. Like I've been telling, I was like, I want Titus Burgess to like, I want that. He's perfect. Like he's so, he is like, just as soon as you said it, I just went, oh my God, that's perfect. He's perfect. He's perfect. Should be Titus. Yeah. It should be Titus. So Tina, Tina, are you there. listening? <laughs> I really would love that. Uh, but, you know, this was um, 11 years ago, right? And um, they, I, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm sure it's going to be all comedy legends in this. And um, it's just going to be, it's going to be amazing. And I'm so, so excited. Um, it's a wonderful opportunity. I hope, come on, it's time. Let's get this movie going. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, um, you know, so much of what we've talked about on this podcast with other guests is how to be philanthropic. And um, some of the most significant things we've talked about are not just writing a big old check, but like actually doing something yourself. And this is a perfect example of something that is relatively easy to do and yet um, would have such a strong impact and would also feel so good. So it's an amazing project. And um and I'm excited. I am definitely going to elf it out here, so I'll I'll get my letter and and fulfill it. Um, do you how do you, do you vet the letters? Like, how do you know that they're all legit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what ends up? Ha we have a team of volunteer elves who uh -huh. uh, essentially go through each of the letters. Uh, I used to do it all myself, and Jan, it is first of all, it's like kind of bad for your mental health like it's re they're really a lot yeah it's a real it's a lot of sad letters right mm. i mean and 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 and, and there's a lot of them are really hopeful and joyful but you know a lot of them tell you what is going on in their lives and you sort of really um sort of uncover that over the past 11 years i can tell you so finitely what is going on in the country what's going on with our our world based off of these Santa letters through the eyes of these children. Like it's fantastic. I can tell, I can tell you what's happening in regards to obviously a pandemic, but I can tell you what the hottest toy is as well. Like what's, what's, so, the, what's the hottest toy this year? Um, A lot. I mean, obviously I think a lot of people want like the electronics and things like that. Um, There's uh, a lot of puzzles are back. Mm. A lot of kids want puzzles. I think that that's very funny. And um what the the big ones of like doc um uh paw patrol is is really popular right now <laughs> we get lots of paw patrols we get lots of um the lol dolls are still really hot um and then you know uh the, the all the basic stuff like coats and shoes and right. you know the, that's that's always good but everybody wants uh wants their fun toys too <laughs> oh that's so nice it really is um but you've also um you're an elf in so many ways. I mean, you've also worked on so many other philanthropic endeavors. And I wondered if you could just share some of the ones that have meant the most to you personally and professionally. Yeah, I think um, it's it's really important right now um, to focus on diversifying our stages in our theater. Um, we're actively involved in the Black Theater Coalition to help diversify uh, the makeup of the behind the scenes aspects of um, of Broadway and the theater. 
Um, and I'm sure, you know, that, that, that T and Warren are just doing amazing things over there and, and Liko and the entire team. And that's it's always been something really important to me because I've always thought Broadway is such a merry band of misfits mm-hmm. and everybody is welcome. And I'm so sad that there's this perception that it's not because it is. It's just it's just there's the doors haven't always been open or had the focus on diversity and changing the color and makeup of our, our, our Broadway just hasn't been a main focus. And now I'm glad that the spotlight is, but, and, 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 and thanks to folks at the black theater coalition, I think that it's something that is really, really going to make a massive difference in in our industry. Don't you think? Absolutely. And we've had some guests on the podcast from, um, Black Theatre United and from um, the um, Broadway Advocacy Coalition and, and you know, all of these groups are so important. And, and I would say there was one question I asked a lot of the guests um, during the pandemic. And I said, when Broadway reopens, what is the one most important thing that, you know, you'd like to see change? And I would say 90% of the guests, if not more, said that there just needs to be more equity and inclusion on Broadway. And and you're right. I think a lot of people thought that Broadway was so inclusive and so diverse. And um, it is and it isn't at the same time. So I think we, the community needs to do a lot of work in that area. And we are. Well, and it's good. It- and Jan, you've been, I mean, you, that has been um, a cornerstone of the work that you've, you did at the Broadway League and with your uh, charitable aspects. It's something that I, people have been doing this. We, there are people that are doing the work. It's just now, finally, we're starting to see that there's a spotlight on it and that it is something that needs to be put to the, to the front. Um, we have to talk, we have to tell stories, uh, you know, we have to tell stories of our indigenous people we have to tell stories of black and brown people we have and and not just about the struggle it has to be like joy we can have joyful stories and story stories that that make a massive difference in creating empathy that's what we do that's what that's our that's all that's all our thing and that's one of the things too i love about miracle on 22nd street is that there's this there's an empathy, right? The thing that I love about this, as well as what the theater can do, is that once you read these letters through the lens of someone else, through the lens of another family, you start to realize that they're just like us, right? And that there's they're just like you. They're, they're, they have feelings and heart. Um, they just don't have the privilege. And uh, that is a massive opportunity for us to be able to say, we can help here, resources, time, energy. There's ways to do this. So, yeah, I think um, I'm just so happy you're doing this because I think Broadway has such a big heart and has always been the center of uh, trying to make a difference using empathy. Absolutely. So you and I have worked on many Tony Awards charitable efforts together, specifically in arts education. And um, we worked together on the Excellence in Theater Education Award that's sponsored by Carnegie Mellon University. And I wanted just to talk about arts ed for a second and why it's so important and specifically why it's so important to you. Absolutely. I'm uh, I'm on the advisory board of the American Theater Wing, which is this is a massive uh, part of what they uh, what the organization does is all about trying to get into uh, schools and communities that not don't necessarily have a theater department to say that there's an outlet for you, there's a place for you, and there's a place for you in the in the theater. <clears throat> and what's so great about that is that that happened to me. I grew up really poor 
in a small town in, you know, in, in a suburb of Kansas City. And uh, we didn't have, um, I didn't really have access to go see Broadway shows. We didn't have the money to go downtown to the fancy theaters. <laughs> um, so for me, the theater, if it weren't for the theater department in my school, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to, I wouldn't have known that, that, that the theater is so a part of my blood and so part of me if it wasn't for, um, you know, my, my middle school teacher, Randy Jackson, you know, for, for my, the high school teacher, Mrs. Mrs. Call, who is, you know, they're still friends to this day. And, um, you know, are, uh, they're, they're, they're people that open the door to what theater could be, even on a, on a, a on a small level, it was just opening the door on what what this is. So yes, Jan, the 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 arts education and 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 creating that access into schools is is paramount because it can also address the issue of diversity. It can also address the issue of empathy. It can it can fix a lot of things. Yeah, mental health and so many things and and just you know educate right. Yeah. You can yeah physicality um, on your feet. Right. It's not mm -hmm. it doesn't have the stigma of gym. Right. <laughs> it's, right. it's it's very physical. It's very yeah. it's great for your mental health, like yeah. the theater. And it's a community. You're building a small community. That's one of the things I loved about high school for me is that the theater in our theater department, like it was the the musicals brought in the the jocks and the the cheerleaders and the 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 the. the, the people in student council it was like a sort of a great amalgamation of different people and i think that's what broadway is and that's what we are we're just a, a mix of a variety of different people and we need to expand that right we need to make that bigger and uh and it'll just we'll just be better for it we absolutely will be agreed um so like me you've had the opportunity to interview many people in the broadway community for various programs and content that you've created to work on um, and, you know, look, we're so lucky, I, you know, pinch ourselves, you know, a million times just to the amazing people that we get to talk to and interview. Right. Um, but I wondered if you could talk about some of the interviews or interactions that you've had that have been the most meaningful or memorable for you over the years. Wow. <laughs> That's an amazing question because, um, yeah, well, you know, we're in this this world where the theater mixes so many different types of people, right? We right. have people from the film world. We have people from the uh, um, uh, creative arts. You, you get to work with politicians sometimes. Like, it's all these different types of people that, that the theater brings together. Um, that's a really good question. I would say, I have to say one of my, probably my favorite interviews of all time was... Um, when I got to interview the uh, the amazing Judy Dench, um, she was so kind, and I, I got to go to her place in Surrey, in London, and she was so kind and warm, and she offered me iced coffee, and she was just like showed us around, and she was just like the most lovely individual, and just talked about theater and just her love of it, and talked about Kenneth Branagh and how she just loves theater and how it's the most important thing in her life, and. I think at the end of the day, when you get to talk to people and they, you just get to talk to people about what they love, it is amazing, right, Jan? You yeah. experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
So here we are in this season of giving and charity and philanthropy, and they're top of mind for everybody right now. Um, and I just wondered, what advice would you give listeners about being people who take action and give back to the world? Um, you know, many people in your situation with the Santa letters would have thrown them out, put them in a bag, said return to sender. Um, but, you know, you took action. You made a decision to... Um, to start a 501c3 and find elves and take action and make the world a better place. So I wondered, you know, if you had any advice on how we can all become more proactive philanthropists like you. Oh, that's so that's so kind to say. Um, a proactive philanthropist. It's funny when you label it, you're like, oh, it's just sort of what you do, right? It's, uh, it's like, oh, you're just like, and then you're like, oh, I guess that's, I guess that's, there's a part of that. Um I, that's the thing. I think that, look, it started with small acts of kindness. Like this wasn't for, for miracle. It was actually really simple. Just try to get the word out that people can help another family. And you almost worked as a connector. Um, I think everyone thinks that as you experience, it's like, oh, it's just writing a check, but it's actually so much. There's so much from the little to the big that you can do within the world of making the world a better place. Even a smile to a stranger can go a long way. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is sure. free and easy to do. Maybe not easy for some, but <laughs> um, it's hard to do right now with a mask on. But yes, generally speaking, true. it Thumbs is. Up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I think that. Um, it's so important that we act in service to each other and that we are helping each other because it will pay off. It is the karma is real. Mm. <laughs> it is um, the more you give, the more you get, the, the more smiles you give, the more smiles you'll get, the more, the more love you put out there, the more it comes back to you. Of course, I don't do it to get it, but it does. I'm centered and blessed with the most amazing friends and family and people who just change my life every day because I do what I can to give back as much as I can. And that's, that's, I think it, it can be very simple. It could be very big, right? Like starting a full nonprofit that help does this for thousands of people, but it doesn't have to be that. <laughs> it could be something very small and something very uh, meaningful um, on a regular basis. I think that's a perfect piece of advice for people, especially at this time of year. I hope everybody goes and checks out the link on the episode page and becomes an elf. I'm going to go sign up to be an elf right after we um, we end this recording. And um, I'm just so happy to be your friend, Jim, and so happy that you came on our podcast. Thank you. Jan, thank you so much. You are an inspiration and a light and an innovator and a futurist. And I just love that about you. So thank you for giving that to the world. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, editor, and friend, Jim Lochner. And thank you to everyone at BPN, including Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and Kimberly Garris. I'd also like to thank Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency and Eric Becker from Broderick Street Music. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit bpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. Thanks so much. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.